0: Well, Ellen, thank you so much for joining me this week for this very important topic. Um, and I'm excited to just dive in with you. So how did you get interested in the topic of managing your mental health?
1: Well, thank you for having me. Um, I, I'm in my 40s, and um, I would say the time that I really got invested in managing, trying to manage my mental health was after I had my first child in 2014. And a few weeks after I had her, I thought, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, happy. I mean, tired, but happy. And this is just supposed to be wonderful. And I just, I was in a very dark place and I realized something was really wrong. And, uh, I did end up, um, getting some help like reaching out. I told my husband, something just does not feel right. Mm-hmm. And I was eventually um, soon after that diagnosed with severe postpartum depression. Mm. And, you know, in some other countries, they call it postnatal depression, different terms for it, sure. but yeah. And, you know, I mean, that shouldn't be surprising as I had depression in the past. So I thought, you know, I felt depression before and anxiety, but this was a whole new level for me. Yeah. It's very, um, uh, <laughs> very dark place. Um, and I had act. I mean, I had had numerous dark thoughts before and gotten help for those, but yeah. I, you know, I didn't want to do any harm to my child or myself. I just was so tired, you know, yeah. and thinking was these ruminating thoughts. It was just, it was a lot, it was too much. Sure. Um, so I did, I did a lot of hard work and worked through it. Um, But I I also had supports, which not everyone has. Um, And I realized, too, at that point or throughout that process that my husband probably needed some support. You know, Um, he happens to be a U.S. veteran. And uh, I thought, you know, we all have our things that we bring to the table. But who who trains someone and how to help someone like that? Unless that's, you know your job, your profession. So I wanted to make sure that he was supported too. Once I started getting better, I thought, you know, he needs help to know how to help me if he wants it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how it got to the really, really serious I would say that was like a really serious point for me because I was like, I haven't, I have a human to take care of now <laughs> and right. I want to enjoy this. I, I mean, I I want to enjoy this. I want to do the right thing. Um, And then, you know, that just, it got in the way, you know, it, it, it's not, it wasn't a choice where I woke up and thought, I'm going I'm to feel this way today. I mean, it's, it's an innate thing. Um, The chemicals in your brain are choosing to act the way they did. Now, yeah. I will say for anyone listening, given my therapists and doctors told me after that, well, given your past with depression and anxiety, and the fact that I had gone off medication while pregnant, they said it's, you know, kind of not surprising it happened, which I didn't know that before I had her. Yeah. Um, but I quit taking my medication under my doctor's um, care while I was pregnant, because I was, you know, first pregnancy, I didn't want to do any harm to the fetus. Right. Um, I, I'm just a school teacher. I can't remember, can't remember. I think there's a, they're like different classes of medication, I think is the term types or classes. So it was one of those like, okay, trying to do the right thing and could never have predicted how, yeah,
0: that happened. Yeah. For sure. And well, in postpartum depression, I'm not going to have the statistics by any stretch, but I know that it's much more common than what women recognize or um, acknowledge. And so to hear that, it, how it manifested for you, I think is really important and helpful for folks, especially anyone who may be a new mom or about to be a new mom to understand that, like, if you just feel off, take a look ask some questions. So that's really helpful. I thank you for sharing that. Now you had shared with me that in your early twenties is when you really started identifying your anxiety and your depression. What were some of those indicators that made you want to seek help? Um, I think, well, I, I remember feeling a lot of
1: highs, like a lot of highs and lows. Um, and just, you know, and comparing my life to others thinking, well, that person seems to, you know, kind of have it together or what, why do things seem so difficult for mm-hmm. me? Um, well, and we can maybe talk at another time. I just this last year got diagnosed with ADHD. So that actually <laughs> at 43, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So that actually explains a lot of my life and wow. it's all kind of making sense now.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: So that was the first time I had reached out. like I, I, I'm trying to remember how it came about exactly, but I am a teacher. I was off in the summers. I would work jobs, making money and I would take classes sometimes both. And, but I just started realizing after a few summers, like just really down in the dumps, especially in the summer. Mm. I have time to think. I don't have that schedule of school. Um, and I talked to some friends and I was like, I think I, I think I need to talk to someone. So yeah. I did. Um, and and I had very impulsive behaviors. I mean, I was drinking a lot, not not on the job, you know, or anything like sure. that, but in the summers and just going out and going out on weekends. And you know, because you look back and you think, what was I doing? You know, why? <laughs> what <laughs> you're just doing? You know, you're going about trying to get through the day, but you're like, yeah, yeah, there were a lot of red flags, but I didn't didn't know that. Sure. So the g my general practitioner mentioned you know talk therapy so I do remember really starting that for the first time in my early 20s and it was it was helpful it was helpful um not all therapists are you know perfect fit so keep in mind if anyone is ever going for talk therapy sometimes it just needs to be a different person and yeah for might sure find a better fit yeah for sure gosh well oh, yeah on that note too I was gonna say I I did some things that other people do. Like I started medication and Mm -hmm. along with the talk therapy, I was like, okay, I've heard medication talk therapy are like some two big things. Let's start with those. And there were times I would take the medication for maybe months and then like I feel better. So I would go off of the meds cold Turkey. Do not do that. Not recommended, but I was just, I really struggled then with what I was supposed to be doing for me. Mm my doctor was telling me and then these social stigmas like people saying you don't need pills just you know just go outside and get some Mm. sunshine you know they just do that just do that not saying those things like getting vitamin d and such don't help because they definitely can sure but every single person needs to do what's best for them yeah For
0: for sure No, I appreciate that. I know that I suffer with some lower anxiety and sometimes the sunshine is all that is needed or, you know, a walk to clear your head, but sometimes it's not. And that's all a, you know, a chemical imbalance or, a chem- you know, or, or like you said, the talk therapy piece of it. So yeah, thank you for kind of sharing the two, you know, like, side and I guess there's more than one two sides but right sort of the range of things that can can help with some of those things but really that conversation between you and your doctor is the most important one um for that so awesome well okay so you talked about um earlier you talked about um, having support from your husband. Um, and I'm guessing that he's probably not the only person who is providing you support. And so I'm, I'm curious if you can share a little bit about what it's like to have a supportive community around you as you navigate all of the things. And, and for those who are maybe looking for that, what kind of advice do you have for others who may not have this level of support or, or maybe want to get to this level of support?
1: that that is a really good question um and i can you know i can share like my side my myopic view if you will because that, yeah that's all i know um but i have you know I, i've tried to pass pass on to others like just an open ear sometimes or thank goodness we now have the internet right where you can find right. um seriously so many resources but that's that's not, that's not an easy button. So for my own experience, um, before I was married or with my husband, I had really supportive parents, mm-hmm. um, which is really helpful. Um, and some really good friends, which you realize who your real, you know, your real friends are yeah. <laughs> yeah. when you're going through something so, so, um, profound as um, a depressive episode, or especially a deep one, because it, it, it's a very selfish time for the person suffering. They're not trying to be selfish, but mm-hmm. that's where you have to be. It's almost like a survival tactic. Um, so I had insurance. Um, I had a home. I had a job. Um, I had actually an EAP, which is an employee assistance program. Yeah. With, right, with my former employer, um, former teaching job, and it was wonderful, because, I mean, statistically, the money those businesses put into that therapy, they're going to get back with their employees being, right. you know, healthier, mentally right. or otherwise. Right. So I had some free short term therapy and that therapist that I met, um, initially, when I was about 26, 27, he was wonderful. It was a uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. So I saw him, um, especially after I had my daughter. I was going to him for like the second time in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a lifesaver. I mean, he helped save my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went to a psychiatrist at that time. So through him, I had the talk therapy. And, you know, practicing those things at home, (laughs) those mantras. And then the psychiatrist, you know, going to him for medicine. And he was really good because he saw me often. You know, he kept monitoring me and was making sure I was okay. Mm -hmm. I was was very lucky to have that because I know I'm privileged in that way. Sure, And and I see that. I see that. And I know that Um, it it is a lot of work. Um, But to answer your initial question you know, families, there's a ripple effect with the mental health. So Mm -hmm. I needed help. My husband needed help. So I, you know, some of us would have to go to talk to different people to just figure out how to get help. Sometimes people go to family or couples counseling, but um, I would just say for anyone, just reaching out. If you're reaching out to a loved one, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a coworker doing a quick Google search. I mean, we can talk, um, we can talk to about the online resources, you know, mm-hmm. um, suicide prevention numbers and texts and stuff, just text or call, reach out and make that first step. Um, what some people have done, if they don't have a lot of supports, they can talk to their doctor if they have a doctor, veterans. I know that the support isn't there. Like it should be, but reach out to your VA or your medical provider. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might even need someone to make the call for you. I mean, I really probably did not have the wherewithal to be making all those appointments after I had my daughter, but somehow I did. (laughs) Sometimes it helps for someone to just literally do that for you to get the ball rolling or even look up a number or a little list of doctors because you don't have that energy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can look online for so many things, depending on your geographic location. Mm -hmm. There are free services in some areas discount with discounted rates or sliding scales. Um, sometimes, you know, I don't want to mention any specific groups. Um, cause there are just so many things, whether you're in a city or a rural area, Sure. but there are human support services. Um, just so many, so many things. I mean, I personally did not have, like the substance abuse side along with mine, but some of these things just go hand in hand. Sure. So it just depends on the specific need of the person.
0: Sure, for sure. Well, thanks for that. And we'll make sure to include some of those important um, national phone numbers in the show notes as well so that folks have access to those. Um, So thanks for mentioning, mentioning them, Ellen. Um, if someone is feeling a little bit more than just sad or more than average anxiety, where can they go for help? You started to kind of talk about the Google and, uh, you know, to Google some stuff in your areas or like the National Suicide and Crisis Line. Are there other, um, are there other areas that you would recommend for folks that are maybe more national um, lines that folks could start with?
1: There's definitely, uh, first and foremost, I want to mention suicide and crisis text line, because now it's just the simple number 988. Um, you know, it's so, so easy for people to text sometimes when you don't want to pick up the phone or you are, I mean, I've been at that jumping off point. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't after I had my daughter, it was just in this weird time in my twenties. And -hmm. I kind of had a plan of what I was going to do. and, and um, I should have called someone at that point. I know I know. I did get help eventually, but there's the suicide and crisis text line, which is 988. Um, there's NAMI, N-A-M-I. And I always get this wrong. I think it's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They are a phenomenal organization. Um, and, you know, so these are things that are just stateside. So I apologize to any listeners that are outside of the U.S. Um, just, I would say, look at your national groups, organizations, um, you know, to see what's close to you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I mean, being an educator. So I taught a lot of grade levels to teach in public school. I I teach in middle school, which I love. I absolutely love those kids. And, you know, it's such a pivotal time for Mm -hmm. so many things. So, I mean, right. I mean, it's just, you think back like, yeah, we all made it through our teens and, but we know more now. You know, yeah. I, th- I think back to like different generations and I'm like, we have to use these resources. We have this knowledge and these things now, let's use it to our advantage and not just, oh, I was young once, let's get through it. Um, sure. There's the Trevor Project. The Trevor Project, the mission is to end suicide among LGBTQ young people. Sure. I find that to be a very worthwhile project. Um, yeah. And college students, I mean, you, you would know this. Um, sure. <laughs> working with college students for years. I mean, there's a mental health crisis just in education students mm-hmm. of all ages. Um, and, you know, it can be very isolating, even though college students are surrounded by a lot of people. It mm-hmm. depends on how they, you know, experience the college life. So campuses are doing a better job, especially post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um there, there are, like, let's talk groups on campuses, um, and there are specific groups. Um, the one I had read about this recently, Project Rise for Black students at UVA. I just think, you know, if there's a, even a more specific group or subgroup that someone can relate to, why not yeah. check it out and reach out, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. I, being a middle school teacher and, and now a mom of three young people um kids kids can experience depression anxiety or other mental impair- impairments and i think there are definitely people who think or they think well children can't can't have depression mm-hmm. oh yes yes they can
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so if we can get in there early and get the help that kids need earlier they are better for it
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah yeah I mean and I think Mm -hmm. too if it runs in your family right like then Mm -hmm. you can maybe expect or anticipate that your kids might also go through something it may not be the same level it may not even be the same type of something that a parent has gone through but um, you can anticipate it and so knowing some of those signs even I think is important and helpful as well so I think that's an awesome point thanks for Thanks for including that part of it as well. So. Well, gosh, you have provided a ton of resources already. We are going to make sure that they are in the show notes so folks have access, quick access to them as well. But what kind of uh, just additional tips do you have for the listeners?
1: Um, I think it be it would be – well in a perfect world. We need to all help take away the stigma Mm. of improving one's mental health. Um, Men, you know, I've talked to, I've had male friends and acquaintances, some almost strangers uh, because of my social media posts, just like I'm here. Like if you need someone to talk to, Mm -hmm. I am an open book, but also a vault. Like I'm, it's not going to go past me. Um, If you tell me you need, you know, you're suicidal, need help. I'm going to be there and, you know, maybe take another step, but it's so so many men have reached out, um, in in America anyway. I mean, the stigma for men to get, to get help or, you know, go to get help is there's a huge stigma there. So personally, like I said, the top therapy has been great for me and medication, but diet helps people exercise, getting their essential vitamins, spending time with people, or, you know, like for me taking my medication, other people take other other things, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone has to do what works for himself, herself, themselves. Mm-hmm. And we do need to sit and listen to people. You know, we're so closed off in our society sometimes really pay attention to people, you know, Mm -hmm. is someone who used to be very involved with things just suddenly has no, no desire to do anything. They don't want to leave the house. Maybe just check in on them. Mm -hmm. Literally sometimes giving them a call or just a quick text or, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and then find out if that person, maybe they just want you to listen and maybe ask them that, do you want, do you want me to listen? And do you want me to give you advice? Right. Um, if that's where the conversation takes you and then occasionally try to check in on them to see to see where it's going because there are so many ups and downs with um,
0: mental health,
1: you know you can't yeah. can't always predict what's
0: what's going to happen for someone. For sure. I know as someone who has recently had a friend go through some pretty significant mental health issues, um, and kind of in a public way where lots of people are caring for them, finding that balance of the amount of times to check in, I think is also helpful and important. Um, You know, and at some point, uh, when you don't hear back from them, and you have, being okay with saying, I need to hear from you, or else I'm going to have to reach out to someone else right authorities or whatever and you know not as a threatening way but just to know like hey i need to hear from you because something's different and that's okay too and i think folks are afraid to do that sometimes um to take a next step sort of thing so Oh, gosh, this is good. This is such a heavy topic, Ellen, and I am. It, so is, grateful. it is. I am so grateful, though, because I think it's so important. You know, I think that um, seasonally things change all the time too right depending on the season we go into you mentioned being a teacher and in the summer having more time on your hands more time to think right for other folks heading into like significant holidays like a mother's day or father's day after Mm -hmm. a loss of someone like you just never know or maybe you sometimes do know when it can be triggered and so I think this is really helpful information year-round for folks to have um and I'm I'm really appreciative for you sharing your story a little bit and um sharing some resources for for my listeners. So any kind of final thoughts you have for my listeners? Um I well, I mean,
1: given the title of your podcast, which I just find phenomenal, um, I, I don't think anybody should apologize for where they are, their mental state, or um, for wanting to improve it. And so, you know, don't apologize for that. Just maybe for those supporting them, just say, thank you for supporting me.
0: I love that. I love that so much. That is fantastic. And uh, this, like I said, Ellen, this has been really good. I'm so grateful for you joining me for this episode and and sharing some really, really good information and some really, really good resources. So friends, thanks again for coming along, especially for this topic. I think that this is one that we all need to have regular reminders and um, information shared with us. So thanks for tuning in again this week. This week's affirmations, I'm done apologizing for spending time focused on me. I'm done apologizing for asking for help. I'm done apologizing for reaching out to others when things just feel a little bit off. And this one's for you. I'm done apologizing for Friends, go out there, have an incredible week, do the amazing things that I know you're capable of. And remember, wherever you're listening, make sure you like, follow, and share. If there's an episode, this one specifically, or others that you might be re-listening to that you think are fantastic and others should listen to, make sure you screenshot, share it out on the social medias, make sure you tag me, or just send a quick text message to someone who you think might need to listen to the episode that you're tuning into. If you would like to be a guest on my episode, and remember everyone has something incredible to share, make sure that you're filling out the guest form. Or if you know someone who would be an incredible guest, I'd like to hear from you who that person is. Click over on my show notes to get to my forms and tell me who you want to hear from or what you want to share. And remember, you're fabulous. You're a badass. You've got this, and I'm here for you. Welcome to the I'm Done Apologizing podcast, where we're creating a community of women who advocate and empower. I'm Michelle, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I'm so excited to have my high school friend, Ellen Brandt, join me this week to discuss mental health. Ellen is a woman, wife, mom, and educator. She has been an advocate for mental health for many years, and her advocacy is one of the many reasons why I thought she would be an incredible guest on the podcast. You won't want to miss this episode, so stick around.